Hello and welcome to Bad Apple. We are back from the break. Yeah, baby. How was your break, Helen? Um, because we're recording this in advance, I wouldn't know. I hope it went well. <laughs> true. How was your break? Um, yeah. Um, it's going okay. That's true. Already in it. If I guess we're in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope it, I hope it went well. Future Helen. Yeah. <laughs> hope you had a good summer. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you guys had a good summer as well. Hope you had a safe and happy new year. And thank you for coming back, I guess. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about something maybe a little... It's a bit rogue, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot going on. Yeah. It's got like three acts, like a play. You're right. Yeah. I said to Helen, we're looking for new cases, and I said, what about this guy who used a samurai sword? And I was like, fuck yeah. And it just gets more wild from there. Yeah. The samurai sword is just the tip of the iceberg. So let's cut in right to the day of the crime. It's the 21st of January, 2003. 35-year-old Anthony Dixon, 25-year-old Renee Gunby, and 28-year-old Simone Butler lived together in a converted shed at the Haruki Plains at Pipiroa. Simone had been friends with Anthony for many years before their friendship evolved into a relationship on Labor Weekend in 1997. She said that he, quote, sort of sucked me into his orbit, and described Anthony as being witty and intelligent, but always paranoid. Renee was an old friend of Anthony's, and had moved in in order to escape an abusive relationship with an ex who was a drug dealer. Renee woke up at about 8.30 on that morning, and started off the day with a cocktail of fruit juice, methamphetamine, and cocaine. She took two or three sips of the drink and used the energy and motivation from the drugs to get some housework done. According to her, this didn't help the quality of the housework, but definitely the desire to do them at all. Look, I definitely don't condone this sort of, uh, like, reliance on illicit drugs, I suppose. But, damn, sometimes it be like that, don't it? With housework, yes. I have had, my room has looked like a bomb hit it for like three days, hasn't it? Maybe you need a little, little pit me up, you know, to get it done. Well, this afternoon I finally did it. Sober. Yes, unfortunately. I just had to grit and bear it. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. Thanks. Renee assumed that Anthony must have drunk the rest of the cocktail because later in the day he became sweaty and agitated and his eyes turned black. Renee thought about calling the doctor but didn't end up doing so. Anthony soon became even more agitated and started screaming at Renee, accusing her of being a police informant. He then accused Simone of sleeping with a police officer. This ignited an argument between him and Simone, which soon became physical and according to Simone, quote, then it was all on. Anthony starts violently swinging a samurai sword at the two women, while yelling that he wanted to chop their heads off. Simone described it as, quote, he was slicing, just coming at us. I don't remember seeing the sword, just the action. Anthony told Simone to kneel down so her head would land in a laundry basket and said if she admitted to sleeping with a police officer, she would not be a sacrifice. He said she was a, quote, sacrifice ordered by Allah because she was paraboling him, which... Like a parabola? I don't think so. <laughs> Probably not a parabola. Okay. Paraboling, I googled it. It's not a word slash verb. It's neither. 
Um, I guess in the Bible there are parables, which are little stories with a moral, like a you know, and a lesson. Right. That's why you should blah blah blah. But not quite sure what it means in this context. We can probably just take it as like he is not quite with it、mm-hmm. in this moment. You know. Yeah, it does seem like that. Yeah. In the attack, Renee's left hand was completely severed, and both of Simone's arms were partially severed. The newspapers make it hard to tell, but one of the girls caught her left hand when it came off and stuck it back on. Yikes! That is some fight or flight. Yeah, that is adrenaline. That's adrenaline. And I guess I well, it didn't fly off. I think it was just hanging, and she yeah, like, you know, caught it and held kinda, it back. Yeah,、on. but God. The attack only stopped because the sword broke. Anthony and another unnamed man, who has been granted a name suppression, because we know that New Zealand loves one of those. There's not enough people. Yeah, we all know each other,、yeah. so got to keep that name suppressed. They called an ambulance and then drove to Hamilton, where they stole a car. Renee ended up losing her left hand, but Simone was able to have both her arms reattached. I read that when they called the ambulance, they actually didn't say what had happened. They made up this story that like one person had fallen off the shed roof, yeah, which was where Renee and Simone were.、Right. So the ambulance would know to like go to the shed, but then these like two paramedics have just gotten there and been like, "Oh shit, this is not what we thought it was gonna be." Yeah, and had to call for all this backup. Yeah. Alternatively, he's like, "Well, I chopped off my housemate's arms with a samurai sword." Yeah. You better get here. Might be. They might have even thought that was a prank. <laughs> Yeah, that's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah, maybe lying gets you better、um, action in that、um, circumstance. Maybe. After stealing the car, Anthony drove north by himself, speeding and tailgating other motorists. He stopped at various servos on the way to Auckland, threatening staff and patrons. Servo. Oh, that sounded really Australian. Yeah. Service station. Service station. By the way. Sorry, I swear you use that in New Zealand. No. Right, no, and I didn't even like.、Um, I didn't even deduce it. I couldn't deduce it from the slang. Yeah, there's some Australian slang I can deduce, such、mm-hmm. as "chuck a sicky." Oh yeah, that was literally not even English to me when someone said it to me the first time. Chuck a yui, chuck a yui, chuck so many things. We're just chucking everything. Anyway, there's a translation for you non-Aussies. Service station.、Hmm. At one of these service stations. He told a cleaner, "Quote: You are a good worker doing your job. If you want to live, go now." He also made a call to the police, where he told a detective that this was going to be another Aramoana, and that he wanted it to end in his own death via a shootout with the police. For context, Aramoana was a shooting spree that happened in Dunedin in 1990, where 13 people died. It was the deadliest mass shooting until the Christchurch mosque shootings of 2019. Throughout the day and night, Anthony had been using pure methamphetamine, commonly known as P. That's New Zealand slang. It is P. There you go. We're giving you a run for your money with shortening words. Yeah, you took it to one letter. Just a single letter. Holy. Yeah, can't beat that.、Mm-mm. Anthony arrived at Highland Park around midnight. A 25-year-old man named James Teote was in the car park after a quick trip to the supermarket with his cousin and a friend. They noticed Anthony's strange behaviour. Apparently, he was giving them the finger and mouthing words to them, but they couldn't understand what he was saying. 
So James gets out of the car and approached Anthony to confront him about his weird behavior. Anthony reacted by pulling out a homemade submachine gun and shooting James with a burst of 10 bullets in the back. Apparently, Anthony had thought that James was carrying a weapon and was going to use it on him, but he was unarmed. That night, James had left his partner at home watching their three sleeping children, but he never saw them again. They were eight, five, and a newborn baby. According to his aunt, he was a, quote, wayward but good boy and a great father. He loved rugby and his family, but he did mix in with the wrong crowd. Anthony then drove recklessly around Manukau, firing the gun out of the window of the car, including towards police officers. I think James's aunt did say that um, because he possibly, you know, had some lifestyle habits that um, weren't that great. But this is just bad luck and bad timing because he was just going for a run to the shops. Mm -hmm. What are the odds, like, in this parking lot that, you know, you are met with this man? Yeah, it is, like, wrong place, wrong time, kind of. Not that, like, I feel like I hate saying that when when people are like oh they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time because he wasn't in the wrong place and it wasn't the wrong time either yeah you have a right to yeah shop run at whatever time what, you can just go to the shops yeah. whenever you want right yeah it's true so but yeah that's for lack of a better saying yeah. he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and for the third act of Anthony's horrific crime spree perhaps a sort of grand finale Anthony manages to take a man hostage and engages in his fantasy of a standoff with the police. Karen Power and her husband, Ian Miller, awoke at 2am in her East Tamaki home after hearing a car outside. She thought it was her daughter returning home and got up to check. As she opened the door, she found herself faced with Anthony Dixon. He pointed a gun to her forehead and pushed his way in. Karen fought back, shouting, get off this property at once, and pushed him and the gun away. Which is balls. That lady has some big kahunas. That is badass energy. Yeah. She is supreme, Karen. Yeah, holy crap. That's almost so badass, it's almost reckless. I don't know if that's the best response, you know what I mean? Yeah, I personally probably wouldn't, but I love it. Get off this property, she said. It is her property. Get get off off. Yeah. Get out of here. She wasn't about to take any shit. Oh my god, crazy. She is crazy. She's not crazy. She's defending her property. It's true. Ian leapt out of bed at this and ran out to the veranda where he found Anthony pointing a gun at Karen. Ian jumped in and struggled with Anthony, trying to wrestle the gun off him while yelling at Karen to run for it. She ran behind a row of trees to avoid getting shot, found a car and sped down the road to find help. By the way, I've now learned that it was their car. Yes. But (laughs) the way it was written, I was like, she hotwired a car, she broke in, it was the neighbor's car, and I wouldn't put it past her. (laughs) Yeah, either way, this is some James Bond shit. This is some Mission Impossible shit. Yeah, it's very dramatic. She's like, skirt, skirt. She's getting out of there. run, run. Run. Jump! Yeah. She gets in the car. Oh. She, I, I can hear the like gravel noise yeah. as she's like, like going down the driveway. Give you a man like Ian. Yeah. He's willing to risk it all. Yeah. What a man. Damn. 
After Karen had gone, Anthony closed the doors, shut the curtains, and told Ian to, quote, behave himself or it might get fairly messy. Ian sat on his bed, realizing he could not deal with this situation on his own and hoped that his compliance might calm Anthony down. He said Anthony had, quote, wild eyes and was very excited and told him he had already killed somebody else that night. He also described the samurai sword incident from earlier, saying that he had had a busy night. According to Ian, Anthony said he was, quote, a bit pissed by the sword breaking because he didn't finish the task he wanted. Anthony was apparently adamant that he wasn't going to see the light of day again. Luckily, Karen soon came across a police roadblock, but they must have assumed she was the suspect because armed offenders' squad members surrounded her car and ordered her to get out. Karen shouted that she was unarmed and informed police of the home invasion and how her husband had been taken hostage. The standoff between Anthony and the police lasted for 11 hours before he finally surrendered, and thankfully... Ian Miller was unharmed. As he handed himself over, Anthony told police, quote, Everyone will be taking notice of me now. Our Moana will be a walk in the park compared to this. I'll go down in a blaze of glory. Um, um, um. Listen, Anthony. I don't know how to break this to you, Anthony, but this was not that. You are not that girl. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't really compare. Yeah. We had one homicide here, um, but Aramoana was 13. Yeah, People 13. died. So it's a bit um, very grandiose of him to say so. Yeah. 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 I think, that, I think it just encapsulates his state of mind yeah, that's true. at the time. Yeah. Anthony stood trial for murder, wounding, kidnapping, shooting at police, and aggravated burglary, as well as five charges of attempted murder. He pled not guilty to all of these. During the trial, his main defence was on grounds of insanity. Have you seen the pictures of him at trial? I have. I would grant him that, just for the way the man looked. Mm. He had, had like, these wide eyes. He did look very distressed. This look? Yeah. Yeah, was not right. And he had, like, a unique haircut. Yeah. The haircut was, like... (laughs) I don't know how many of you watch Peaky Blinders, but it was it's it was like if Arthur from Peaky Blinders got his hands on some dry shampoo <laughs> and like teased his hair up and made it really big. Think like like a cube of hair on the upper half of yeah. the head. Just like sitting on the top of his yeah. head. <laughs> yeah. Like a hedge. Yeah. Don't know what kind of um stylistic uh thought process went behind that, but yeah. The whole look was very odd. You know how they have in prisons, they have, like, um, salons and other prisoners work at them. Yeah, right. To, like, get skills. Yeah. Maybe he got it done in there. Hmm. And one of them was like, oh, I'll give you a sick fade, man. Like, <laughs> it'll look really good. Leaves him a one-star Yelp review. Just leaves, gives him, like, a zero around the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, and a God. tuft on top. <laughs> That's basically what it was. Just no fade. Yeah, no fade. No, just the hair just started at a certain point. Yeah. As the lead prosecutor made submissions that it was irrelevant whether Anthony had a severe personality disorder or not, Anthony shouted from the dock, quote, You don't want to know credit, mate. You don't give a shit. When the prosecution wrapped up their submissions, Anthony stood up in the dock and started applauding before shouting, Bring back the electric chair. Let's do it. I think to give some context 
into why the uh, defense were arguing this insanity point is that Anthony had like a really awful childhood. His mother was verbally and physically abusive towards him, and his parents had a very rocky relationship, but still lived together, just on opposite ends of the house, and they didn't get divorced until much later. So he grew up in that kind of environment where I can imagine they would have been sort of at each other a lot. His mother was a Jehovah's Witness and was very religious and believed that Antony was the devil's spawn. He was often chained to a clothesline, assaulted repeatedly by church brothers, and his toilet training involved being locked in the bathroom for hours. Potty training is very crucial. Yes. To development. Yes. You've got to be nice to the kid when they're doing that. Ask Freud, he'll tell you. Yeah. Definitely. Can't just lock them in there. Antony's father died when he was ten. At this point, he was already showing increasingly irregular behaviour and bouts of paranoia. He moved in with his older sister when he was 14, but she was busy all the time studying teaching, so he wasn't able to get much support from her either. He had one marriage that had broken down before he ended up living with Simone and Renee. By this point, he was a regular drug user and had addiction problems. The jury didn't accept his defence. He was acquitted of the attempted murder charges, but convicted of all the other charges. You mean he was acquitted of his attempt to kill Simone and Renee? Yes, but that would have been included in the wounding. Right. Yep. They just couldn't prove that it was... I guess you can't prove that You couldn't prove that he was going to kill them. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. He was just swinging the samurai sword around for fun. Just to wound. What about that bit when he was like, put your head over the laundry basket? Mm. It seems that wasn't enough to make the point. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know what? I am not the court. Do you love how I sidestep around all your questions? (laughs) (laughs) I hear myself doing it. I'm like, that was such a ridiculous legal law answer. That was such a lawyer answer. That is fine, because I make up for it with my unsolicited, probably really annoying uh, judgments and questions about the court's decisions. I think they're very valid. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I think they're valid. I think a lot of people out there, including me, but a lot of people out there who don't, you know, aren't of the law, probably have the same questions a lot of the time. Yeah, there's definitely, obviously there's... Much more that goes on behind just like, oh, he was acquitted. Those, you know, hours and hours and pages and pages of stuff. Mm-hmm. But just from the telling part, I'm like, dude, the guy went at them with a samurai sword. And it wasn't for fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah but No, I like, I like your questions. <laughs> on May the 26th, 2005, Anthony was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum of 20 years non-parole for the murder conviction. The sentencing judge also refused to take Antony's mental impairment into account. When she spoke of potential mitigating factors, she simply said, there are none. I know this was 15 years ago, but this attitude towards mental illness is so not where we're at now. It's a little backwards looking. Yeah. I know that we do have to strike some sort of balance between making allowances for people with legitimate mental impairments and the fact that, like, it isn't an excuse. Like, there's a lot of people out there who have borderline personality disorder or who have, like, um, an addiction who don't go out and kill anyone. 
But I think, like, to say that there are no mitigating factors is just um, wrong. Wow. Yeah. Did you just did you just say something about the court? I did, honey. And oh. you know what? I'm about to get backed up. Yeah. Yeah, and again, go look, go Google a picture of this guy in court. Mm-hmm. You'll understand what we are saying. You'll get the vibe. He appealed his conviction to the Court of Appeal. Helen's favourite court. And I love that sentence, because what else are you going to do to the Court of Appeal? <laughs> Fucking do a jig, you know? <laughs> it's only there to, to appeal, you know? You're right. <laughs> he appealed on two grounds. Firstly, it was argued that the trial judge, Judith Potter, did not properly instruct the jury on the law relating to insanity. Secondly, it was argued that manslaughter should have been available to the jury as an alternative verdict to murder. And on the 7th of September 2007, the Court of Appeal overturned the convictions and ordered a retrial. The retrial began in early June of 2008 and finished at the end of June where they convicted him again. Hmm. Not the outcome we were after. Yeah, so nothing changed for him. But that's okay because the real issue we had with the first one was the sentencing. Anthony was remanded in custody, awaiting sentencing on the 5th of February 2009. He said he intended to appeal the outcome of this trial. So, what it means is his conviction has remained the same. He is still convicted for murder, but when sentencing comes around, they might sentence him to something different. Yes. But he's being a bit overly negative here. He's like, it's not going to go well, so I'm definitely going to appeal this. But um, we don't know yet how the sentencing's going to go. We don't know. Uh, I guess maybe he just doesn't care how the sentencing's going to go because he still thinks that he's innocent. Which right. you're Conviction allowed to do. You're allowed to do that. Matters more to him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might be his. Might have been his top priority. But is that the best top priority to have here, though? I think it's... He, it's very all or nothing, isn't it? Because yeah. he just wants it to be nothing. Right. He's not focusing on trying to put a good right, I see. thing forward in his sentencing. He's just like, why? Why well, didn't do it? Take it all off. Yeah. Right. I never did it. But twice now they have said he has done it. So things aren't looking good. Mm. Things wouldn't be looking good for a third appeal. Shoot for the moon, though. Yeah, shoot for the moon. Land amongst the stars <laughs> might be a reduced sentence. However, though, unfortunately, Anthony never got to see his sentence outcome because on the 4th of February 2009, at 10.30pm, Anthony was found dead in his cell at Auckland Prison. It was reported that he had died of self-inflicted injuries. An inquest confirmed this. In the days leading up to his death, he had been tied to his bed in his segregated cell, Presumably, this was to prevent him from hurting himself. Footage showed his behaviour becoming more erratic. For example, he was seen drinking from the toilet and repeatedly bashing his head against one of the cell walls. At one stage, he ran across his cell and launched headfirst at the wall. It is believed that he died as a result of these injuries, but that it wasn't instantaneous. Prison officers tried but could not revive him, and he was pronounced dead by ambulance staff upon their arrival. He had been due for his hearing in the High Court just hours after he died. So that was when he would have found out about the sentence. Yep. His lawyer, Barry Hart, says that he had sensed Anthony's mental health deteriorating at a rapid pace leading up to his death. He said that Anthony had been refusing to take his medication and was being assaulted by other inmates. 
According to him, Antony should have been in a psychiatric unit and not a prison cell. In fact, Antony had attempted to attack him earlier in January with a makeshift weapon, and while Hart was encouraged to lay a formal complaint against Antony, he chose not to as he felt his client was suffering from severe mental health issues. When asked about it on national radio on February 4th, Hart denied the attack had happened at all and refused to speak about it any further. My heart melts for Barry Hart. I had to say it. Yeah. He's a good egg. He's the type of lawyer that makes up for all other shit lawyers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's the kind we need to be seeing the news more. Yeah. How empathetic and considerate. Yeah. And I love that he was just like, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. He didn't have anything nice to say. So he said, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to tear. I'm not going to drag my client through the mud. Mm. I'm just going to let it be. And he was spitting facts about mental health. Yeah. Nothing but the truth from Barry Hart. Exactly. That should be his new slogan. (laughs) I should contact him. Do his marketing. Have you ever thought about (laughs) nothing but the truth? (laughs) Lawyer Peter Williams said about this case, quote, It's an indictment on the judicial system and it shows the prejudice against people who are mentally ill. That is facts. From Peter. Yeah. Everyone's getting in and sharing their opinion. Yeah. I like that. I think he's definitely onto something here, Peter Williams, Hmm. because I feel like at every stage of his life, Anthony really fell through the cracks. Hmm. He fell through the cracks at home. He fell through the cracks at school. He fell through the cracks after school, in employment, in work. And then he fell through the cracks of the judicial system. Yeah. He got put in this... Um, prison where he was being assaulted, his mental health was declining, he wasn't getting proper medical care, and yeah, mm, the agree. refusal of the system to acknowledge like addiction as a mental illness here is an indictment on the judicial system. For sure. And he like took his life. I'm surprised, actually you know what, I was um, I was 11, so I don't remember. Um, but I wonder if there was much backlash when that happened, like when he died, mm. like um, bit of controversy, because why was he being held up like that? There was an inquest, but mm. I'm not sure if anyone was ever like held responsible. Yeah, no, I mean like the public as well, right. if they were like, what, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it would be interesting to know. Well, yeah, we should look at some um, public forums from yeah. 2009 or something. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if like the public then had the view- same view that we hold now yeah probably not it, maybe they were more in line with kind of condemning people who were mentally ill mm. more in line with the view that the i guess the first sentencing judge took the jury even the jury as a example of the public that is true that's true they're a little sample yeah a jury of your peers it... <laughs> <laughs> quite a sad case no one wins here there are no winners because you can't deny that he hurt a lot of people. Oh, yeah. But he also hurt himself. Yeah, probably for a really long time leading up to the crime. You yeah. Know, just a whole lifetime of, as you said, just horrible things that would have, would have been really hard to recover from anyway as a grown adult to mm. do the work to, like, you know, fix that all. Yeah. Yeah, so. I guess there's been a lot of characters in this story, so we should probably come full circle and do a little follow-up 
on where everyone is at. So Simone Butler now does work in natural therapy, spiritual counselling and traumatic stress recovery. She aims to spread awareness about domestic violence, sexual assault and victim blaming. She's also written a book which is a first-hand account of the attack, what led up to it and her journey since. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, while Simone was able to turn her life back around, Renee fell back into the criminal underworld and a life of drug addiction. She is currently in prison, having been sentenced to five years and seven months in December of 2017 for supplying methamphetamine. Sadly, our queen, Karen Power, has passed away. We think we found her obituary from a newspaper. Online. Online. And I mentioned Ian. So, we, so I think I've got the right one. We put two and two together there. Yeah. Nothing on Ian, though, so he's probably still just living his life away in New Zealand. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I, they were probably pretty old when this case happened, I've come to realise. Yeah. Which almost makes it even more impressive that she yeah. pulled that stunt. Yeah, gosh. They lived a life, though, that is for sure. We couldn't find anything on James Teote's family, but we can assume that they're living quite a private life. Yeah. Fair enough. I think this attracted a lot of attention at the time, and it also drew a lot of attention to James's background, and I guess like some of the more unsavory things he was involved in kind of got dragged up a little bit. So they probably are just... Yeah. They don't want people like us <laughs> yeah. digging around. Not people like me. No, you know, I just Googled it and I couldn't find anything and I just left. Yeah. Didn't dig, didn't dig too much. Fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, seems that they're just um, living their life now. Probably privately, which is Mm-mm. all fair. His kids would be grown up. Yeah, one well, of them would be the same age as us. Because one was seven, right, at the time? I think it was eight, five, and newborn. Right. Well, even so, the eight. Yeah. The eight year old would be the same age as us. Like 23. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's crazy. True. That's it. That is all. That is all. I'm at a loss for words. I don't have much more to say about this case. Yeah. Everything's been said and done and did. Yeah. It has. Yeah. Yeah. I guess a parting word. Oh. I think the media especially still are very, very quick to condemn people who are mentally ill, especially people who are struggling with addiction. And there is a lot of rhetoric that shifts a lot of the blame for addiction back onto the person who is struggling. Which, I mean, you can hold whatever view you like about that, but, you know... I would encourage you to think a little more broadly about the social constructs um, that surround drug use a lot of the time and to maybe just, like, question what you read a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Great words. Thank you. We are always learning. Yeah. This man definitely takes the... comes in first place for most unique weapons because not only was there the samurai sword there was the homemade submachine gun how do you make one of those you must tamper with the like um ability to how quick you can fire the rounds right because i feel like that's what differentiates a a machine gun from a gun is that they can rapidly fire rounds so i guess if you mess enough with whatever that part is you can make it like discharge quicker quicker. not that i know i have no idea what i'm talking about (laughs) But that was some Fortnite knowledge. Yeah, some vague Fortnite knowledge. And if I were to try to do that, that would probably be my first line of thought. Would be like, how do we make it quicker? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He probably it's... didn't build it from scratch. It's probably a tempered gun. Yeah. 
Yeah, probably right. We yeah. didn't have 3D printers back then. Yeah, yeah how now would you can he? print yeah. whatever you want. Yeah, I would love to know how he got his hands on this kind of stuff. Oh, tea. I didn't even think about that. You know? Yeah. How did he get it? <laughs> yeah, how did he get the OG like stuff to make the submachine gun with, huh? Yeah, Just... how did he get the gun? How did he get the sword? Because it wasn't like a prop, you know? Oh, It wasn't yeah. like a fake. It was sharp as hell. Yeah. There's no samurai sword laws, though. Mm. Yeah. I can't believe you could just buy one of those, though. I reckon there would be. But you can They'd just, be restricted. You can just buy a chainsaw, though. Yeah, but that's because you need it to chop a tree down. Or... Yeah, but you don't yeah. need a samurai sword. <laughs> well, I don't need a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, but you might. <laughs> if you wanted to ch- chop a tree down. And I might just might need a samurai sword for when I engage in samurai battle. For some sashimi. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing quite gets the tuna yeah, exactly. like a samurai sword. Or when I just want to bow mm. with my samurai sword. I think you would be respect. able to get one, but you would have to, like, ask, you know? You know how, like, you can get a gun now, but you have to just ask. Oh. You have to be like, can I please have a gun? I want to shoot a, some pests on my property, please. Are you saying he asked this at a gun store or, like, one of his friends? No, like, the government. Yeah, like a... Oh, but they... But he, they wouldn't have given him one. Or did they? Well, maybe they did. I was don't it bad? Was it? I don't know how the regulations were in two thousand and nine. Yeah, two thousand and five. Oh, sorry, two thousand and five. I thought that was the comment you were making. Did they not do a great enough background check and well, sell him a? Either they didn't do that, or they, or he just got it on the black market. Yeah. And there's just a whole samurai sword black, black market. market. <laughs> a bit like, like the Kill Bill. <laughs> a bit like the the seafood black market. Yeah. From right. episode six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just some whack black market stuff going on in Guess New you Zealand. Can, you can get anything if you look hard enough. I'm beginning to learn. The reason why I said yes to this case is because if you Google Keanu Reeves walking with a samurai sword, there's like a picture of him walking on the road with a samurai sword. Just like in normal life. <laughs> like in normal clothing. And when you said that, I thought about that picture. And then I thought, we have to do it. But... Fair enough. So, yeah, there's my backstory about why I agreed to this case. We've got to go look that up right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do that and then probably just look at every other picture of Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. You should do that too. (laughs) Yeah. Google this this guy when he went to um, court. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing we want you to have a look at. And then Keanu Reeves with a samurai sword just on the road. (laughs) And then just generally... Yeah. Google will take it from there and will suggest you some things. It's true. Yeah. All righty. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of your day or your night or your week. Yeah. We will see you in the next week. Bye. Bye.